Father, there's no one else that is worthy of our praise. Uh, there's a man that said, our hearts are like idle factories. We are made and created to worship. And Father, we just uh, thank you for directing and our, our worship to you and helping us to see who you are and what you've done throughout the course of history as well as in our own lives. If we ever should go astray, Father, we thank you for bringing us back in, putting us back on the narrow path so that we might give you the glory that you rightly deserve. Father, help us here today as, as we continue to uh, struggle with the, the ills of this world and this life, but know that you've given us the greatest gift that we could ever dream or imagine. And that's the gift of your son, Father. We thank you so much for uh, paying the penalty on our behalf and just loving us in such an unimaginable way. Father, help us here today as we open up your sacred texts. Uh, give me the words to say and how to say them. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. We're going to continue our series here this morning in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 22. Um, sometimes with, when we go through different things in our lives, it's really tough. Uh, somebody just this morning asked me how my week was, and I said, my week was pretty terrible, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, but it's, it's, it's real life. I mean, stuff like that happens, and it's sometimes easy to get mired down in what doesn't work, what's not going our way. And when we do that, especially when it's relational, we, we can tend to feel isolated. And especially as we're coming out of this whole pandemic and everything that's going on, um, where the, we were asked to, to, to shelter in place and all these kind of things, a lot of us haven't stopped sheltering not only physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. And because of that, uh, we, because of that isolation that we're putting ourselves through, we can tend to be lonely. We're, we're isolated so much emotionally and relationally that we feel like uh, everybody else has abandoned us. We don't know where to turn. But the reality is that we, we have some part to play in that as we isolate ourselves. And some, some people do stay away and isolate from other people as well. But regardless of who is physically there with you, the, the goal that we should get as Christ followers is that God is with us continuously. He's, he's not gone anywhere. Sometimes we move away from him but he's always constant. He is always there. He is always present. But sometimes it just doesn't feel like it. Because we got so many things, so many distractions that are going on in our heads that we feel so far from God sometimes. Maybe that's just me. And that there's so many things that are going on in, in our world, in our own lives, that we're like, God, how, where are you? How could you allow this to happen? as we're looking at the, the things that are going on in Europe and having Russia going in to attack Ukraine this week. Man, it's, it's heartbreaking, the type of things that we're seeing. Um, hopefully you're in prayer for Ukraine, who, you know, they, 
you know, a, a democracy with elected government. They're just doing, they're just there and they're a byproduct. And then we've got Russia coming in trying to take over their country. Uh, while we're praying for Ukraine, though, I, I want us to also be praying for Russia because there are some innocent bystanders, the folks in that country, they don't have a say in any of this stuff, just like happens in this country. We have people making decisions that we may or may not agree with, but we're citizens and we're, we're just part of it. We're innocent bystanders. So we'll also be in prayer for the folks in, in Russia as well. But all the things that's happening and going on, you know, it, it, it shows and when you see those people trying to get out of Ukraine and, and get somewhere safe, it's, it's hard to, to, to imagine being in a position like that. And I've seen uh, pictures and videos this week of, of Christians there in Ukraine praying for one another, praying for their country, praying for Russia. Uh, folks that are out and singing God's praises, they're using this opportunity to share the good news, to talk about who Jesus is, even in the midst of the struggle that they're in, trying to remind them that God is there. Even through the midst of the struggle that they're experiencing right now as we speak, that God is with us. This is a great reminder for us and we, we can tend to, as we're here in the United States, and we got a comfortable life here. When you look at what's going on in the rest of the world, it should wake us up. Because we're living in history right now. How we respond to this engagement is going to have effects not only for Russia and Ukraine, but it's also going to have effects for us here in the United States, depending on how we address it. But still, that doesn't negate the fact that God is with us and he is in control. That should give us peace. That should give us solace that as, as bad as things can get, that God had a plan from the, the foundation of the world. And he's got a goal and he's in control as bleak as it might seem to us today. Uh, this morning, as we dive into Acts, I want you to see how Paul deals with the struggles that he's going through, personal issues and struggles that he's being challenged with, and even he needed this reminder. I don't know about you, but when I read the New Testament, uh, most of which is written by Paul, man, he's like a superhero of the faith. And I'm like, man, I don't, this dude is just amazing. He's going all in these missionary journeys. He's reaching people for Jesus. He's got his mind focused on what matters. But today we get to see he's human just like we are. He struggled just like we do. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 22. We're going to pick up here in the 22nd verse. Acts chapter 22. So that up to this word, they listened to him. And they raised their voices and said, Away with uh, such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their clothes and flinging the dust in the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? 
When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do for this man is a Roman citizen? So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He said, yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. And Paul says, but I'm a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him up. You've been with us, we're picking up uh, here where we left off. Paul is addressing this angry mob. If you read, go back and read the earlier part of, of, of chapter 22, and he's going and expressing to them. Um, he's, he's there in, in Jerusalem, and, and there they see the Gentiles, and they, they're, they're accusing him of defiling the temple and, and doing all these sorts of things and to abandon their, uh, their traditions. And Paul's like, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to tell you to abandon your citizenship. I wouldn't uh, do anything to, to admire the, 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 the uh, uh, sanctuary or anything that's going on. I know the rules. I practice them myself. But they just go and they, they start to, to gossip and to make up these stories. And he has to defend himself. And so uh, here Paul is, he's addressing this angry mob. But still, it, it amazes me, and still even in the midst of this, he wants to share the gospel with these people who are trying to kill him. He's going in and he's like, well, I, I know you got an offense against me, but let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine this? To be able to have this, this, this idea and to, to be your, have your foundation so solid. And they seem to listen to him right up until he starts talking about the Gentiles again. Like they're listening to him. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. That, oh, man, that's amazing. I want to know about, more about this Jesus guy. And then he, then he talks about Jesus being there for the Gentiles. Like, oh, we don't like those people. Uh, we don't, we don't want to be here and talk about the Gentiles. We, uh, we don't want them to have the same things that we have. So they didn't want to hear anything after that. The soldiers take him away to the barracks and they stretch him on a rack to torture and interrogate him. And need I remind you, these Roman soldiers, they're good at their jobs. This was their only role is to torture people. Uh, they go through praying, uh, practice and training in order to be efficient at it. And they, they want to understand why these people are so against Paul. Uh, they want Paul to, uh, to tell them, uh, and, and they think he's a terrorist, and so they're just really coercing him to say, yeah, you're right, I'm a terrorist. I'm doing all the things that the mob is angry for me so they can kill him. Because they don't believe that he's there for any other reasons. I don't know if it happened as cool as it sounds, but I'm trying to picture this the best I can. So they, they have Paul, they take him in the barracks, they, they put him on his thing, and they start to stretch him out so they can start to, to interrogate him. And Paul says, hey, um, by the way, hey man, come here for a second. Can I, can I ask you something? Hey, is it lawful for you to flog a Roman citizen? I don't know if it came off as cool as that and calm. <laughs> you know, when he's about, about to be flogged, and he asks his Roman soldier this question. I don't, I don't know if he's yelling out in agony, but I, I imagine if I was to, to make this movie, w w man, wouldn't it, what that look like? And the Roman soldier's like, oh, wait, what would you say now? You're a Roman soldier or you're a Roman citizen? Because the Roman law forbade the, the flogging of a Roman citizen without a hearing or formal sentence. 
as, as Paul says, without being um, condemned. So, I mean, if he was found guilty, then, you know, all bets are off. But he had not yet been tried. So the Tribune admitted that, you know, he bought his citizenship. So he comes in and he's like, well, I'm a citizen too. I pay some good money for my citizenship. Back then, if you wanted to be a citizen, you had to have a sponsor. You, you know, throw a few dollars to, to the emperor, emperor for a bribe, and then you could buy your citizenship that way. Um, so this tribune was Claudius uh, Lysias, may have purchased his citizenship from the sponsorship of Emperor Claudius. So he comes in and you can be big time if you were able to buy your citizenship from the emperor and you kind of assume his name. That would have given him a lot of status. However, to be a citizen by birth, that was the real deal. If you're a Roman citizen by birth, that would give you a more prestigious status in the, the, the Roman citizenship there. So as I mentioned before, they didn't have IDs. They didn't bring out his driver's license. He didn't have a birth certificate or anything like that. But there had to be some trust and some type of a verification as they're going through. Uh, because the penalty for saying that you were a citizen was death. And so by just claiming that you're a citizen, like, well, this must be the real deal because you know what we do to you if you're lying, right? You know, you, you'll be in big trouble, more trouble than you're in now. If you claim to be a citizen and you're not, it's going to be all bad for you. So that's what, what Paul is doing, and he's uh, uh, telling them that he is a citizen and uh, affecting his rights for the day. Look with me in verse 30. It says, but on to the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he uh, unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down to, uh, and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by to strike him on the mouth. Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me struck? Man, this is interesting. Who says the Bible is not interesting? Man, you, like I said, you, if you're really reading this and seeing it in your mind's eye, this is compelling. This high priest Ananias orders the soldiers to hit Paul, and it sounds like Paul just went off on him. Who, who do you think you are? Somebody, you want to hit me in my mouth. What's going on here? The Last week I talked about how calm Paul is, or, and even here as he's being stretched, but it, it sounds like he had enough. He, he, had, he had had his fill. This was the straw that breaks the camel's back, and Paul couldn't contain himself. He's like, let me tell you something. You want to hit me in my mouth. Who do you think you are? Here Ananias instructs them to strike Paul, and he fires right back. And, and it's interesting, he, 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 like Jesus, he, Paul calls them a whitewashed wall. You see, in Jesus, Jesus did this in Matthew 23. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, 
but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanliness. Paul is, is saying the same things about you. Look, you think you're so good, but on the outside, you're trying to have this appearance, but on the inside, you're a rotting corpse. You're no good. And all those who, who stood by in, 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 uh, in Acts 23 and 4, we, we see this. It says, would, uh, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul says, I did not know, brothers, that he was high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. So Paul is going and, and he's saying this stuff. He typically, you know, this high priest would have on his priestly garb. So people could be able to identify them and more so they would act like a high priest would act. They would uh, follow the letter of the law. They would make sure all the, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. And, and so Paul legitimately didn't know that he was the high priest. Some people in, in the commentaries of reading, you know, some people say, well, Paul had some bad eyesight. Maybe he didn't recognize him, but Paul hadn't been in Jerusalem for a long time, so maybe he didn't know Ananias. He wasn't familiar with him. Or maybe he was being sarcastic. Some people say, I, I mean, it, it, and he's acting in a way that a high priest would not act. He wasn't dressed in this high priestly garb. How would he know he's the high priest? But immediately he sees, you know, what's going on. He's like, hey, it's my bad. I didn't know he was a high priest. No, for real, I didn't know. How could I know? Because of the way he's acting. But he understands and realizes that he should not be talking to the high priests in that way. Paul quotes Exodus 22 and 28 saying, uh, you shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. So Paul urges the Christians to submit to the governing authorities as God's ministers of justice while also expecting the government to exercise his duties rightly. And Paul immediately sees and seemingly repents of what he just did. He just flies off the handle, calls them some names. It's like, oh, I didn't realize you were the high priest, even though you're wrong. <laughs> That's what I would have said. Even though you're wrong, I, I still should respect you because of the, the position that you hold. Romans 13 and 1 through 7 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear to the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also to, for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of the God uh, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So like Paul, 
we might have be we might be challenged by the people who are in power but because they are there and uh they are from they, they're put there by god or they uh, we hope that they would use their authority honorably we live in a land that um if the if the laws protect us then we should abide by those laws however if those laws prevent us from following jesus then we better obey God rather than obey man. And it's tough for us. I know and get this. Tough for us just to uh, see how politics unfold and people that are there making decisions. But even in this moment, even though Paul is being honest and uh, his cause was just, he regrets speaking to the high priest in the way that he had. Even in 1 Corinthians 4 and 12, he says this, when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. The American way is to retaliate immediately and forcefully, but that's not the Christian way. It's not the way God has instituted for us to react. This is an example for us today, and I know that many of you can be really into politics and you've got your camp to, to ride with, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. Uh, when we speak out against injustice, we need to do so. But we should do so with respect. We should do so with restraint. We need to ensure to use the proper tone when addressing ruling authorities instead of adopting the irreverence and disrespect that seems to be so popular in our culture today. Like, like I said, this is a hard pill to swallow. They don't make it easy for us. But still, this is the way that we should be thinking. This is the way that should, we should be responding. And we see this, this how Paul does. Even in the midst of, of all the things that he's going through, uh, uh, much, much more despair than what we would deal with on the day-to-day basis. And if Paul was able to do it, I, I pray that, that we can also. Meet me in, in verse 6 of chapter 23. Says now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other parts Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. And the Sadducees, for the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. But a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes and the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong with this man. What if the spirit or the angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded that the soldiers to go down and take him away from among the, by, by force and bring him into the barracks. Paul is, is, is kind of uh, sneaky here. Looking out to the crowd, he's like, hmm, some Pharisees over here, Sadducees over there. That's interesting. At this point, he knew that he couldn't get a fair trial, so he sees an opportunity to split the crowd, so to speak, and make them turn on each other by bringing up the resurrection. Like, I can get out of this. Let's, let's see how this happens. The Pharisees held 
to bodily resurrection, while the Sadducees did not. Next 23 and 11, it says the, the following night, the Lord, uh, um, uh, sorry, I don't want to jump there, but he, he goes in and, and puts this bomb out there just to say, hey, this, this is the camp that I'm with. This is what I believe in. And this is what I'm on trial for. And he sees them coming to bat. And then we see the Sadducees like, no, no, we're not. This is not what we're about. We still need to take him down. We still need to deal with this guy. And so instead of having the focus on him primarily, they, they focus on each other. And the Sadducees are trying to come out and, and because of the in, in effect to kind of save his life from being torn. Like, hey, this again, he's a Roman citizen. We need to kind of take care of him to some extent. So we need to get him out of this situation. We need to make sure that he is able to go and stand trial in this situation. Now, verse 11 of 23 following night, the Lord still stood by him and said, take courage for as you testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. This is incredible because he sees the Lord and the uh, Lord appears to him and gives him some encouragement. And, and if I were able to put myself in his shoes, I'd imagine Paul was pretty low at this point. I mean, the danger that, the real danger that he was in in the moment, danger for his own life, being falsely accused and nearly killed. I can't imagine what he was feeling at that moment. He suffered physically, he suffered emotionally because of the rulers and of the crowd. And he was sorely in need of God's grace. There's, sometimes there's only so much you can muster up on your own. And I think that's the point, that he really needed to look to Jesus for the hope and the encouragement that, that he needed. And then the Lord Jesus appears to Paul at that very moment to give him the encouragement that he needs right then. The Lord knew what, what Paul was thinking, what he was dealing with, knew he was at a low point and appears to him to prepare him for what's ahead. As reading through this again, this is a, an incredible and tender moment because Jesus knows Paul and understands exactly what Paul needed right then in that moment. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you today that Jesus knows you in the same way. That Jesus knows you so well that, that he knows what you need and he can provide those things in the very moment that you need it. Even when you're, if you feel like you're at the end of your rope and you don't know where to turn, and you just you ain't got nothing left. Kind of like Paul might have felt at this moment. The Lord knows, and He shows up for you to give you exactly what you needed. Nothing catches Him by surprise, and nothing is outside of His reach. God ten and fourteen says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Whew. Man, that should provide you some comfort here today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you had a week like I had this week or a month that has been, been particularly challenging for you or a year for that matter. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord knows, that the Lord is with you.
the Lord will provide to you exactly what you need in order to keep going so that he might be glorified in that moment. In the midst of all this, Jesus sought to comfort Paul right as he was feeling alone, right as he was feeling abandoned. Jesus shows up for him. Here's how Paul describes this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 17. He says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We see this from Paul continuously. He can brag on himself and the stuff that he's doing, but he knows and recognizes that it's not anything of his own accord, but it's, it's God that's doing these things through him. And he is sure to give God the glory. Just as Jesus stood for Peter at the cross, he also stands with him in that barracks that day to bless him, to encourage him. In the same way, he stands with you in your sadness. He stands with you in your anger. He stands with you in your strife. Whatever it is that's going on, whatever it is that you're dealing with today, I submit to you that Jesus is standing with you. Matter of fact, I, I would go so far as he's, he's the one carrying you through it. You're not even standing up on your own. But as Christ has, has, has got you in his warm and loving embrace, the writer of Hebrews 13 and 5 says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Ah, man, the people, people of this world might leave you. Your best friend might not want to talk to you. But I tell you what, the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. As we continue to read through Acts, there are, aren't any more miraculous escapes from prison. We've seen this time and time again, and somehow uh, Paul goes in different areas, and other disciples and apostles go through the areas, and, and, and God just shows up. They make some things happen, and all of a sudden, they're the good. From here on, it's, it's a struggle. You thought it was a struggle before, but as we continue to go through Acts, we'll see there be more of a struggle. And what we see is God's plan for Paul to go to Rome. You know, even as we read through Genesis and, and, and as they uh, leave Egypt, they leave Pharaoh, we see God's providence along the way. He could have taken them a more direct way to the promised, promised land, but he takes them out of the way, uh, way on their journey so that they can be protected. I mean, they, they would have fought uh, strife and, and other attacks as they'd gone directly through, but... Um, here, we see Paul go directly to Rome, and, and it's going to be challenging for him. With all this going on, Paul might have wondered if he would ever make it to Rome. Before the Lord showed up, and he's like, I know that I'm supposed to get to Rome, and I know that's where they're taking me, but I'm probably not, it's probably not going to happen for me. I mean, I barely escaped this mob here. How am I going to make it to Rome? There, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to and Jesus lets Paul know that he wasn't done with him yet. Jesus shows up, and it was, he shows up and tells him that it's necessary 
for him to get to Rome and to testify there. If Jesus tells you something that's necessary, he's going to make sure that it happens. Jesus wasn't finished with Paul yet. This is the encouragement that Paul needed to get through whatever lied ahead. He's like, if, if Jesus tells me I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. He's going to make sure that I'm able to get through whatever challenges that come my way. Because he said, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be able to testify. Psalm 31 and 15, it says, my times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. I think this is what Paul might have thought of as he was about to be on his way, that the Lord would rescue him with his hand, rescue him for his enemies and his persecutors. This is yet another example of why this this so-called prosperity gospel just doesn't work. People talk about this name it and claim it type gospel is foolishness. Because just like Paul, God has not promised us earthly prosperity. He He asked us to be obedient to him. And it's plain to see here that God's plan for Paul is for him to go to Rome and face all the charges for the sake of the gospel. And it's not going to be easy. It wasn't easy for him. It's not going to be easy for us. Brothers and sisters, sometimes God takes you on this long and difficult road to get you where he wants you to be. Man, what encouragement that we can have today that if we're obedient and we follow what God says, even though it might be tough for us, that God's got a plan. And it's for us to glorify him through, through all of it. Because we don't get here a perfect life, a comfortable life. That's not what our hope lies in. Our hope lies in eternity. That we get to spend forever with the God who spoke in the universe leapt into existence. That we get to be with him forever and eternity. Uh, uh, we get to be with him so long that uh, regardless of how long you're here on this earth, it just feels like a, a blip in time. Uh, I imagine if, if we look back on this time, we're like, I can't believe I was so worried because I get to be with Jesus. I can't imagine being able to be in the presence of the Lord how comforting that's going to be. It's going to make all this worth it. For us to go and be able to look for, we live in this Amazon Prime mentality where we want everything right now, but the best is yet to come. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. So you need to trust God and, and keep your eyes focused on him and keep your eyes focused on eternity with him. Here's where you can find your comfort. This is where you find your courage. You take comfort in the fact that Jesus stood up for you. Stood up for you and paid your penalty on the cross. He gave up his life for you. But it it would have been okay if he stopped there. He just paid the price, but he conquered death and now sits at the right hand of the Father, praying for you. 
And we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to pray, but he does. The things that we can't articulate, the things that we don't understand in our own lives, he does. We take solace in the fact that he took the penalty and shame that was meant for you, and now he stands with you. The Jesus who was with Paul when he testified before the authorities is the same Jesus who stands with us when we share the gospel with others. If Paul can do it in the face of this mob, surely we can do it at the coffee shop. Surely we can share the gospel with our coworkers, our best friend, our family members. Look at our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Taking a page out of Paul's book. Say, I can have courage to share the gospel, the good news with, with all these other people because of what God has already done for us. They have the mindset on eternity. All these things are happening in our world. For them there on the ground, they, they still have their eyes focused on glorifying God and, and making him known. I pray that we will be so bold, knowing that God is with us. Let's pray. Lord God, just thank you so much for being with us. I, I can't imagine what this life would I, will be like if I tried to do this on my own. I, I, I know for me personally, I, there are times where I, where I do try to, to, to do things on my own and I, I don't think about lifting them up to you and, and looking to you and have you take care of it. And you are... <laughs> Uh, sometimes you just turn me back around. Sometimes you smack me upside the head to, to help me to realize that um, you're the one in control. You're the one that's got it, not me. Father, those that are sound of my voice here today, help us to realize that, that, that you are the one in control. You are the one with the plan. And help us to, to be grateful that you might use us in this grand plan that you have. That you might use us to Hope to, to share our own testimony so that other people's lives might be transformed. Father, as, as challenging as things might be, thank you for being there with us. Thank you for being beside us. Thank you for carrying us. And thank you for taking care of stuff we don't even know about. How we're about to get ourselves in trouble, but you just handle it. Help us to be grateful for those things and bring them to remembrance so that we can uh, give you the praise and honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Give us some encouragement here today. Help us to live a life that is bold for you, for the kingdom, so lives might be transformed because of who you are. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.